Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Today is a very special episode because we're going to tell a story about a very unexpected partnership between a rally legend and a brand that you might not normally expect to feature so prominently. Today we're going to tell the story about the time when Colin McRae took to the wheel of a Skoda Fabia WRC and created a little, a small part of WRC history in the process. This year, the Skoda company will celebrate 125 years since its founders, Lauren and Clement, built their very first bicycle. And their business progressed from bicycles to motorcycles and then eventually to cars. And Skoda really came to most people's attention properly once they were purchased by the Volkswagen Audi Group. So Volkswagen purchased Skoda back in 1991. So they've owned Skoda for nearly 30 years now. And they, under the Volkswagen Group tenure, the, the reputation and the products of Skoda have changed almost, they've changed beyond recognition. Before Volkswagen came in, the, the brand was certainly not a premium brand. It was the build quality was poor, the reliability was poor, and the image was, was, was not favourable whatsoever. And Volkswagen and their genius marketing team set to work in changing this um, perception uh, of the brand. And the way they did that was basically by using all of the, the parts and infrastructure within the Volkswagen Group to improve the reliability of the Skoda products. So you could basically have a car made completely of Volkswagen parts, but at a lower price. And the, the, the Skoda brand has gone from strength to strength. And nowadays, Skoda is now renowned as one of the most reliable cars you could possibly buy, which had come from the complete opposite. Now, a, a reasonable part of that um, of the last 30 years with Skoda has been their exploits in rallying. And the their early part of their early um, kind of forays into rallying uh, in the World Rally Championship in the late 90s and early 2000s was very much linked with their new performance division within Skoda. So, you know, Volkswagen, they have GTI, um, BMW, they have M cars, um, Audi have RS models, uh, Mercedes have AMG. Well, Skoda, they have VRS. And back in, back in 2001, Skoda launched the very first VRS model when they took the Octavia saloon car and put a, a 1.8 liter turbo motor with 180 horsepower and set and put it onto the market at a very affordable price and the and the car was a real hit and this coincided with Skoda's first sort of early forays into world rallying from 1999 until 2003 Skoda campaigned the Octavia in the World Rally Championship and during that time managed to climb onto the podium in the brutal safari rally. So doing that was a great way to, to also to convince the public um, of the durability of Skoda. 
After 2003, they moved on to using the new Fabia model, which is a smaller um, hatchback kind of super mini, like the size of a Polo or a Corsa or something like that. And with the Fabia, they didn't have a really much success at all on the world rally stages. But what they did have success with was the road version of the Skoda Fabia VRS. The Skoda Fabia VRS was a really quite revolutionary at the time. It was a diesel-powered hot hatchback. So at the time, diesel was still very much in its in its in its growth and in its infancy in terms of the way it now fits into fits into our lives. And at that time, the Volkswagen Audi Group were really promoting the turbo diesel technology. So you, the theory with the Fabia VRS was that you could have all the performance of a hot hatchback, but with excellent economy from the turbo diesel engine and also mountains of torque, again, due to the diesel engine. And actually, my mum, she had one of the very first uh, examples of um, the Skoda Fabia VRS in the first few months of it being released in Scotland I, and I ended up um, purchasing the car uh, in 2009 and subsequently putting it in a field, proper Colin McRae style. <laughs> um, but it was a, a proper cult vehicle, the Skoda Fabia VRS, and still you'll see plenty of them trundling, trundling around the road today with, with hundreds of thousands of miles on them and still running quite the thing. But a big part, uh, I, one of my one of my fondest memories was when Mum had this this little Fabia VRS, which we just adored in our family. There's always a fight for the keys of this particular car, and I, rem I do remember when it was announced that Colin McRae would be um, competing in the Skoda Fabia for two rounds of the World Rally Championship, and the excitement was extraordinary. So this all came about, um, uh, the story of how, often in, in many cases in motorsport, the story leading up to a memorable event also uh, uh, plays such an important part of why it's a memorable event, event in the first place. So a couple of episodes ago when we talked about the 1992 Isle of Man TT race between Steve Hislop and Carl Fogarty, um, again, all the subplots leading up to that made it the race that it was. So the way that this all began was at the end of 2002, Nicky Grist and Colin McRae concluded their relationship, which had started in 1997. So they'd been working together as driver and co-driver pairing with much success, winning a lot of rallies, both with Subaru and with Ford and coming ever so close to the World Championship on a couple of occasions. But by the end of 2002, it was agreed that Colin and Nicky would, would split and go their separate ways. And for the 2003 season, Colin McRae moved to the, to the Citroen team and teamed up with his old co-driver, Derek Ringer, who he won the World Championship with in 1995. Sadly, by the end of the 2003 season, a new style of rally car coming in, a new style of driving coming in, a much more neat and tidy, you know, less oversteer kind of style, um, the Sebastian Loeb style, if you like, um, had come in. And by the end of 2003, Colin was dropped by Citroen. And, um, you know, the, basically by that point, Citroen were putting all their eggs in the Sebastian Loeb um, basket. And from 2004 onwards, he won nine world titles in a row, so you can't really argue with that decision. 
But at the end of 2003, Colin McRae was, was out of the World Rally Championship. So in 2004, he explored his, his motor racing palette and tried a lot of new challenges all around the world. One of those was competing in the Dakar Rally with Nissan. And one great, when I was doing my research for this episode, one really great little little snippet that I picked up was it was in the the um, it's the Colin McLean book. Um, it's called McCray, just Colin. And there is Colin's co-driver at Dakar was a lady called Tina Thorner, and Tina was was his was his co-driver in his first Dakar rally. And when they came back. The team manager at Nissan asked Colin to go and test drive uh, some and, and test some some new co-drivers and to try four or five other co-drivers. And Colin wasn't very happy about this at all. He wanted to stay with Tina. And the team manager said to him, "said This is um, the, but remember, Colin, this is this is really man's work." And Colin McRae looked him square in the eye and said, "Well, if you want me." If you want me, he says, you can drive the car to Dakar if you want. Um, but if you want me to drive the, the car to Dakar, then Tina will be my co-driver. And that was the end of it. That was it decided. So that is a, kind of the person Colin was. He was a very loyal person um, to, to, to those who, who'd helped him. So he, 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 had a, some, some, he made a lot of headlines with his exploits at the Dakar rally. Um, he also went to Le Mans. He went to Le Mans in 2004 for the 24-hour race. And he teamed up with two, well, two of my favourite drivers, Darren Turner and Ricard Rydell. And he drove arguably one of the most beautiful cars ever to race at the Le Mans 24 Hours, the ProDrive Ferrari 550. In the GTS class, they went head-to-head with the established Corvette Racing Factory team. And he ended up third in class, getting to climb the class podium. So, and it was it was great. If you look back at the, the film of that 2004 race, you saw Colin McRae with his open, completely open-faced rally-style helmet compared to the other drivers with their full-face helmets. He really stuck out and all the eyes were on Colin, but he acquitted himself very, very well indeed. So, through 2004 and most of 2005, Colin was out of the, the cockpit of a world rally car. Now, after Nicky Grist had left, um, had you know, had split up with with Colin in the in in the car, he moved into TV punditry and was travelling to all the world rallies to do punditry work and to do filming work for the Speed Channel at that time, and being able to travel to all the rallies. It was it meant that Nicky Griss was able to keep his hand in and to maintain his contacts within the World Rally Championship service park. And a chance conversation between Nicky Grist and the manager of the Skoda team at the time was responsible for brokering this amazing new alliance between Colin McRae and, um, and Skoda. And the Skoda team manager explained to Nicky Grist that um, the team was 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 at risk of being closed down because the Skoda management were were unsatisfied with the results that they were getting, and they needed much more to be able to um, to be able to carry on. So the Skoda team manager suggested, and bearing in mind nobody else appeared to be looking to to get Colin McRae in their car, so Skoda spotted an opportunity, or the Skoda team manager spotted an opportunity, and said to Nicky, says. What do you think about? Do you think it would be possible 
for us to get Colin McRae to come and do some rallies with us. And Nicky said, well, I'll certainly have the conversation for you. So he contacted Colin, suggested, you know, told him what what was what was potentially on offer. And he said, would you want me to co-drive? And Colin said, absolutely, I'd love you to co-drive for me. Um, so, you know, basically the Nicky Griss put the put Skoda in touch with Colin McRae and the deal was done and it was announced that he would do the final two rallies of the 2005 season in this Skoda Fabia v- VRS WRC. Now, at the time, one of the brilliant um, advertising campaigns that Skoda had at the time was a very simple phrase and it was, and they actually put these stickers on a lot of the the Skodas you would buy in a in a in a showroom, and the sticker said, "It's a Skoda, honest." And basically, they and they, they ran a, a big TV campaign at the time as well. And the idea was was that people would look at these nice looking cars and think, "When well, they're you know they're well built and oh reliable," and they say, "What's that?" And people would say, "It's a Skoda, honest," because it was so hard for people to believe that a Skoda could be a reliable and you know an attractive car so at the time it was like it was almost that it could have been the same like Colin McRae in a Skoda honest (laughs) so it was set that he would race the final two rallies of the WRC season which was Rally Great Britain and Rally Australia and for Rally Great Britain they actually had to set up an entire press day just for Colin because the it was the the furor and the coverage around Colin McRae returning to the championship at all would have been you know on its own was massive, but to have Colin McRae returning in a Skoda was just the the PR dream for everybody concerned. So they came into the Rally GB and sadly the you know the Colin and Nicky's efforts during Rally GB was was overshadowed by the death of Michael Park, a competitor who shared a car with, with Marco Martin. So that really put a put a downer on, on the whole thing really. But um, they got to the finish, they came they came in a very respectable seventh place in their first rally in the car and finished six minutes ahead of um, Armin Schwartz, who was the team's number one driver, who'd been driving the car all season. So this was the first time that Colin had driven the car competitively. Before the event, they did a little bit of testing up in Scotland and also ran uh, ran the car um, on the Border Counties Rally as the zero car or the course car. It's the car that goes out in front of the competitive cars. So the preparation was, was small. Um, but Rally GB had gone more or less gone to plan, and then it was off to Australia for the final round of the championship. Now in Australia, it was all happening. This was the rally that had so many storylines. We had Citroen leaving the championship um, to take a sabbatical for one year to develop their new C4 WRC, which would be introduced in 2007. Sebastian Loeb had just just clocked off his second world title. That was in the bag. And the next year he would be coming back with Kronos Racing in a privately entered, privately funded Zara, which he would still continue his domination in the world championship. Also, Peugeot were leaving. They were running their Peugeot 307 Coupe at the time in the WRC. They were leaving the sport. And also an absolute rally legend who we lost earlier this uh, 
earlier, um, well, about six months ago, uh, a chap called Andrew Cowan, who was the, the mastermind and the leader behind Mitsubishi's rallying efforts for 33 years. And Andrew Cowan was, was leaving um, that position after this race. And also, Ford were launching their brand new Focus, next generation Focus WRC. So it was all going on. So any of these storylines would have been the talk of the town normally, but they were all completely overshadowed by the fact that Colin McRae was back in the WRC. And not only that, he was back in a Skoda of all things. Now, because Colin McRae hadn't competed throughout the season, he was obviously very far down, almost right at the bottom of the championship points table. Now, in world rallying, this the, where you stand in the championship table is very important to um, the road position that you have in the rally. So obviously in rallying, it's not like circuit racing where you're all racing around the same track together. You're basically going from a, one point to another uh, on what's called a stage. So usually a rally will, each car will go into the stage three or four minutes apart and then their their time is measured and, and, and so on. And in a rally like Australia, where this was, it was around Western Australia at the time near Perth, and the, the, the gravel surface in the stages around Perth are almost like the stones, they're almost like ball bearings. And Basically, each car that would tra would come through the stage would effectively sweep these sort of ball bearing like gravelly stones away from the, the 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 road and expose the much grippier surface underneath. So, if you were at the front of the road order as the championship leader, you had a much more difficult time than someone in say sixth or seventh on the road. So for Colin McRae, he really had a, a bit of an advantage and he exploited that advantage beautifully. Also, before the race, you know, Colin was asked, you know, can he get a result? He says, well, we're just going to try and keep our nose clean because this is always a rally where attrition is high. And he was absolutely spot on. On day one, we saw Sebastian Loeb, the then, you know, he was already crowned champion by that point. Sebastian Loeb crashing his Citroen for the first time since 2002. So this is the end of 2005. So he'd spent you know, over three seasons without actually crashing, which is pretty extraordinary. So he went out on stage nine. Also, Marcus Gronholm in the Peugeot, he went out on one of the road sections. So he'd had a, he'd had a bit of an off on one of the stages. And in world rallying, the, the cars actually have to come off the stage onto the public road to go on to the next stage. So um, if you've got a damaged rally car and you're trying to drive on the public road, often it can attract the attention of the local police. And this was exactly what happened to Marcus Gronholm because his Peugeot was simply disintegrating all over the road. And one of the front wheels was hanging off and um, he was he was told by the, the Australian police that, that enough was enough. So he was out as well. Um, the young Australian Chris Atkinson, he was racing for Subaru and was leading the rally very convincingly and then he had a steering failure. So it was all happening in front of Colin McRae. By the end of day one, Colin McRae was in third place and just 1.4 seconds behind Francois Duval in the Citroen and Peter Solberg leading in a Subaru. So, you know, by the end of the day, 
Colin was very, 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 very happy. And you know, when he, he was, you know, the furor and the frenzy of the media around this was extraordinary. And Colin was asked, you know, can you win? Can you do this? Can you do that? And he was typical Colin McRae, very calm. Didn't give anything away in the interviews, and he would say, "Yeah, you know, we, 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 we decided to, you know, take it canny. We would have been, we would have been happy with fifth or sixth, but it's perfect to be up in third. And you know, we did have an advantage on the road position, so really downplaying his chances. But in, but in, you can be sure that in his head, he's thinking, okay, we're on, we're on to something here. On day two, the carnage continued. On day two. Petter Solberg, who was far, far in the lead of the rally, unfortunately hit a kangaroo, which meant that he damaged his radiator and destroyed the engine, and that was him out as well. So it was all happening. All the major protagonists are out of the rally at this point. But McRae was, wasn't without problems as well. At this time, this was in the early stages of when um, the rally cars were going from basically a sequential gear shift with a, a, a gear lever to actually a, a proper paddle shift, as you see now, behind the steering wheel. And this, this was hydraulically operated, and unfortunately, um, during day two, Colin's hydraulic system failed for the paddle shift and he had to do it manually through the actual gear stick back and forward um, with the sequential uh, shift. Um, it, this cost him a little bit of time, but not enough to, to put him out of the rally. By the end of the day, he was up to second place, just 27.1 seconds behind Francois Duval in the Citroen. And at that time, Francois Duval really had a reputation for chucking it off the road under pressure. So there was a slither of hope that Colin McRae could actually go on to win the rally on Sunday. Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting because by this point, it's the, 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 the service park is, is, is just in complete uh, hysteria. Uh, Colin McRae's back. He's driving superbly. He's, you know, he's taking this Skoda Fabia to another level than it's ever been seen before. It was a proper. It was turning the Fabia into an overnight hero. At this point, the Skoda mechanics observed um, Colin's teammate's car, uh, Armin Schwartz, and they realised that the the clutch was excessively worn. So they decided during the forty-five minute service period on the Saturday night to change that clutch as a precaution. They looked at Colin's clutch and realised that it looked it it seemed to appear fine and decided to leave it. On day three, the paddock woke to you know what could have potentially been such a historic day in the World Rally Championship, and to be honest, it still was. In the first two stages of the day, there was a real battle between Colin and Harry Rovenpera, father of Cali Rovenpera, who now competes in the World Rally Championship. And in the morning, the, the, it was, there was a, a really interesting co comparison between Colin McRae's Skoda, which had Michelin tyres, and Harry Rovenpera's Mitsubishi, which had Pirelli tyres. So the way that the final day worked was there was four stages Two, two stages in the morning, and then they repeat those two stages in the afternoon. So in the afternoon, the road would be a little bit cleaner and a little bit faster than it was in the morning. Now, the Pirellis really suited it when the road was a little bit dirtier. The Michelins were much better on the cleaner road. So by lunchtime, after these two, two um, stages were out of the way, 
Francois Duval, he's he's more or less in, into the distance. He's won the rally, more or less. But Colin McRae is only 6.9 seconds behind Harry Rovenpera in the Mitsubishi. So it looked like on the second pass that Colin could have overtaken to get up to, to second place in the rally. However, as he entered the service park at lunchtime, the mechanics are permitted 20 minutes to do any any repairs or any um, any service work that they wish to. Now at this point, it was then that they investigated the clutch again and realised that the clutch had worn like Armin Schwartz's car had the night before. So now they only had 20 minutes for a job that took 45 minutes the night before. And unfortunately, this pressure was too much for the poor Skoda mechanics. The Skoda mechanics, they were... The, that were working on Colin McRae's car were very much the junior members of the team and this was all part of experience for them. And unfortunately, they'd never been in this sort of position, but either side of the garage hadn't been in this sort of position before. So trying to change the clutch on the World Rally car in 20 minutes was, was a little bit of a stretch. And unfortunately, trying to do this job in a time that, that where it wasn't possible they continued to make mistakes, dropped the clutch pack, had to go back into the truck, get another one. and All the while, Colin and his brother Alistair are standing pensively, watching us all unfolding. Nicky Grist is, is standing at the time control, ready to check in to head off into the afternoon, afternoon stages. And the rest of the service park, all the other teams, Subaru, Mitsubishi, Citroen, Ford, they all gathered to support the Skoda mechanics. They all wanted this car to, to finish and succeed. But sadly, the, the, the repair took, um, the replacement clutch took too long, and unfortunately, the, the car had to be retired from the rally. So, what could have been a dream result, um, you know, unfortunately ended in disaster. And unfortunately, mo- most of the Skoda team were, were reduced to tears, and, also, and Nicky Grest also. Colin McRae, on the other hand, he was, you know, typical, relaxed Colin McRae, ever pragmatic. And he, you know, he said, oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? You know, what what can you say? There's nothing you can say. Um, and But he did say, he said, we'd proved a point. And they absolutely had. They proved that in the right hands, Skoda could make a brilliant World Rally car. And actually, couple, you know, Nicky Grist recently has said just how good a package the Fabia was. They just needed it to be in someone like Colin's hands. And after this had all, all taken place... Colin did what he knew best. He went off with his friends to the nearest pub and went to go and let his hair down. And what a great, <laughs> what a great way to um, to to cheer up after such a disappointment. Because both Colin and his co-driver Nicky Grist threw everything into this rally with this little Skoda Fabio. After this event in Australia, the conversation changed. You know, both Nicky Grist. And actually, David Richards, of the owner of ProDrive, who was developing the, the Subaru World Rally cars at the time and had run, run Collins Subaru uh, when he won the world title in 1995. And David Richards had, you know, and Nicky Grist had desperately tried to get Skoda to agree to continue the programme, um, but sadly their mind was already made up. They'd already made the decision before Collins Heroics that the programme would be shut down and uh, the cars and the equipment 
would be sold off. And actually, the cars went on into private hands and carried on, um, carried on from from there. But Skoda at the time said that they'd never seen, they'd never had more PR benefit in their entire rallying history than the, than these two events with Colin McRae, and that the attention and the exposure they got was extraordinary. And to this day, the VRS brand is still a big part of Skoda's product lineup, which all started and was founded through the, the rallying initiative. Now, today, that particular Skoda Fabia that, that Colin competed in is now owned by a, a collector in Ireland who preserves it alongside a lot of other very special rally cars, including two Ford RS200s. But Skoda eventually did come back to rallying. They've never returned at the very highest level at the World Rally Championship level, but they absolutely dominate in um, what is called the R5 category, or now the Rally 2 category. So an R5 rally car is not a miles, miles different from a full world rally car. Similar type of engine, but everything just a little bit, a little bit paired, uh, a little bit paired back. Now, the Skoda Fabia R5 is the most successful rally car of all time. They have sold, Skoda have sold 340 examples of these Skoda R5 rally cars. They've scored 2,500 podiums, over 1,000 rally wins and 4 world titles, including with current, you know, current uh, world rally uh, drivers, um, Esipekalapi and um, Kali Rovenpera. So Skoda returned to rallying after all of this and have become a dominant force. And But make no mistake about it, Colin McRae's performance, had he not had that performance, things might have ended up quite differently. But what Colin's, Colin's heroics behind the wheel of that little Fabia back in 2005 proved that you can get the P, you, you can get the PR benefit out of rallying and you can get the marketing benefit out of rallying and it, that was Collins Collins doing no question about it so happy anniversary to to Skoda celebrating 125 years uh, in business um, I hope you enjoyed listening to the story about Colin McRae in the Skoda Fabia WRC and please subscribe to the channel um, for our podcast via your chosen podcast uh, provider um, to hear many more stories like this. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.